Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Good morning. Well, Christmas has uh, come and gone. Uh, and the uh, impact of incarnation lingers on, right? God is with us. That's, that's, that's what it means. That's what it means. There's no place you can be that he isn't. Um, so, you know, I've been, been thinking about, I, I have a fascination with the kind of the bit players, the, the, the side folks, the guys behind the curtains, the ones who, who, who don't always get top billing in the stories, right? Uh, whose stories are nonetheless fascinating for, for those who maybe take a time just to, to look at them and listen to their story and see what they're up to. And, of course, uh, you know, I like the shepherds and the, the wise man and, uh, you know, the, 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 the innkeeper is fascinating to me. All of those people that are just kind of there in the, in the stories but who don't, don't always have a kind of a major role to play. And I realize at some level, the part of the reason I'm fascinated by those people is because those are way, way, way more common, by far the majority, uh, over the people who are kind of in the center of the spotlight. Right? And in fact, uh, even those people who are on the, kind of the edges of the story have more name recognition than the huge majority of people whose names we never know. We, we don't know who they are. Um, and, and we, I think in our, in our culture, we have been raised with a hero mentality that in order to make a difference, you've got to be the guy in the spotlight. You've got to be the woman leading the charge. You've got to be the person, you know, carrying the torch. And everybody's got to know who you are and so on and so forth. Uh, but the truth is, when we've talked about this before, but when you read the, the story uh, in the scripture, by far the majority of people, you'll never know their names. Right? They just, they just get up and go to work and do their, do their, do their thing. Because what we're dealing with here, like I, I like to think of it as kind of a, a, a highlight reel of Cliff's Notes. When it comes to, we, we, we get the, the high, high watermarks of, oh, here's a hero, here's a guy, here's somebody who did this, that, or the other thing. But the majority of people who live where most of us are probably going to live most of our lives, we don't, we don't know who they are, we don't know what they do. So whenever I get a chance to see what I think of as ordinary people who, who are just like you and me, I'm just fascinated by them. Uh, because I, I want to, I, here's the question that has haunted me in this, in this last little while. How do I become a person that God can trust? Not how can I trust God, but how can I become a person whom God can trust? Does that make sense? You feel the shift a little bit there? Um, and today, so we're going to talk about, uh, uh, today we're going to be talking about old people at, at Christmas. Old people at Christmas. I feel uniquely qualified uh, to speak into that topic. Uh, and for those of you who have been around a while, you probably know where I'm going to go. We're in Luke uh, chapter 2. 
uh, and we'll, we'll get there in just a second, but uh, how, do, how do I become a person who, as, as I see, you know, more road behind me than ahead of me, how do I become the kind of person who's in the game, who is faithful, who is um, uh, passionate, who still is in love with Jesus and in pursuit of the kingdom of God? How do I, how do I not get old? Because y- y'all know n- n- you don't have to get better as you get old, right? Some of us age like milk. Uh, <laughs> You, you know what I mean? It just, we just get sour. We just get mean. We just get, we get, how many of you know old people like, like that? Had Christmas with some of them? No, we won't do that. Um, but we do, we do, because it's not a guaranteed thing. Just surviving, just going through the days, through the years, doesn't guarantee the formation of a kind of character adequate to be trusted by God in old age. And I want, here's my goal, I want to be more trustworthy the older I get. I want God to know that I'm somebody he can rely on. Does that make sense? Because the truth is, most of us don't prepare very well for old age. Um, Not even financially. Those of you who are familiar with this, uh, maybe because of the age I am or whatever it is, but I, I know a lot more people who are retired now than I ever knew before. And I've discovered, doing some research on this for Judy and I, that uh, the average um, retirement account in the United States of America is under $100,000. And that has to last somebody for 20, 25 years. I think you can do the math. Right? Because the truth is, that the, the time to decide what kind of person you want to be when you're old is when you're not. Because by the time you get here, you're that kind of person. That's who you are. Right? It's too late to decide what kind of person you want to be. Right? At 65, it's too late to say, you know, I think I'd like three quarters of a mil in the bank for retirement. It's too late. Sorry, it's too late. If you want to do that, the time to start that is like when you're three head in that direction, you know, how that, how that, how that, how that works. So, so I, 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 I am not interested in, and probably the older I get, the less interested I am in quick fixes. The more interested I am in, in gradual, incremental, degree by degree shifts. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time doing 180s. And then I realized you put a couple of those things in together and you're heading in the same direction you, you were in the first place. So, so, so uh, what, what, where, what's, the, what's the outcome? What kind of person, not, not financially, we're going to talk about retirement, but what, 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 what are the deposits I can make in the character bank that will sustain a trustworthy life when I'm older? Does that make sense? So we're going to look at these two old people who, who give us some answers to that because they are people who just kind of minded their own business, who just showed up for work, who just stayed on task. And then in a snapshot of a moment, were somebody that God could trust to affirm a new couple in the birth of their child. All right.
So Luke chapter 2, we'll begin at uh, verse uh, 25. Uh, Jesus has been now eight days old, so a couple of days from now, eight days in in our our thinking, and they're bringing him to the temple for uh, the Jewish rite of circumcision and for an offering. They bring, uh, the text before this tells us they come with two turtle doves, two, two doves, the the, the offering of the poorest of the poor. Poorest of the poor. And that's what Mary and Joseph bring. And so Simeon, uh, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So... Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents then, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and then said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped day night and day, fasting and praying. And coming to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Hmm. So, we're going to go back to the beginning and just walk through this a little bit. Uh, How do you become the kind of person that in your old age, God can trust? And first of all, Simeon gives us a clue here. It says first that he was a man in Jerusalem calls him who was righteous and devout. Righteous here is a technical term. It's not just a, 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 a pleasant descriptor. It's a it's a and it's a but it's a Jewish term. Uh, Simeon was a Jew, and so the term righteousness in this gospel reflects not a Greek or Western view of righteousness being a matter of right standing but a Jewish view of righteousness would means right acting, right living. So Simeon, it says, is a man who can be trusted to do the right thing uh, when time comes to make a decision. So his, his actions, his, his behavior, his practice of life are marked by righteousness. He, he does the right thing. He does, he does acts of righteousness. Remember when Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount talks about doing our works of righteousness. He gives alms. He's a generous person. That's what he's talking about here. So his, his, his life has been, 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 been worked out. 
by making the right kinds of decisions, uh, not, 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 not always for the right reasons. How many of you know that sometimes you're going to do the right things for the wrong reasons? That's better than doing the wrong things or waiting until you get all of the right reasons in a row. Because, I mean, I've, I have not been at this long. I'm only, only 60 years or so. But I don't think I've ever done one single thing from pure motives. There's always some utilitarian piece, always some secondary thing, always something in there. That's okay. That's okay. We can work out motives as we get the trajectory of behavior in life. Do do, do you see? The Holy Spirit can work out motives. I'm not very good at that. But if I wait around until I have the right motives for things, guess what's going to get done? Nothing. Nothing. So let's get the boat moving and then trust the Spirit to steer it. Yeah? So he's a man characterized, first of all, righteousness. How do you become the kind of person who can make the right kinds of decisions, who can be trusted to do the right thing in the moment? Well, the second word gives us a clue as to that. He was devout. He was devout. That is, again, a term that describes Simeon's orientation to God. His his orientation to God, his worship of God, his his faithfulness to God, his following of God is what fueled his righteous behavior. So so Simeon didn't start out to be an old man who could be trustworthy. He started out to be a man whose heart was aligned on God and whose behavior was lived out of that horizontal, I mean, that vertical alignment with God. So he showed up at worship. He showed up. He was a generous uh, man. These, these are all the words, the ideas that are characterized by these two words, righteous and devout. So when Simeon is described as righteous and devout, that gives us a clue as to how I become an old person who God can trust. Because I can't get there by getting there. I can only get there by making righteous decisions along the way. What fuels my righteous decisions is a life of devotion along the way. Do you, do you see how that works? So, 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 so that we get that. And then he was waiting, it says, for the consolation of Israel, for this promise that God has given. He was waiting. When you're old, you do a lot of that. Right? Which is why, by the way, you need to get good at it. Not just waiting around, waiting with intent. So he was waiting for the consolation, waiting for the promise of God's prayer, waiting for the comfort, waiting for the answer to prayer. Why? Because, oh, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Hmm. Here's another clue as to the nature of Simeon's capacity to be trusted. For those of us who have um, uh, uh, been recipients of maybe a a word from the Lord, a prophetic word, a sense of of what God is doing in the moment. This is is the difference between a a mature prophet or a mature disciple and, and an immature one. Because an immature one hearing the word from the Lord goes off and quickly tries to to make something happen, right? A mature disciple hears the word of the Lord and holds it lightly in his hands or her hands, trusting that God is the one and the only one who can bring it to fruition and to pass. In fact, sometimes the reason I can't be trusted with stuff from God is because I'm going to do something about it. 
Right? Can I be trusted to hear the word of the Lord and just carry it? That's what Simeon's doing. He's heard the word. God is on the move. You're not going to die before the Messiah of God has been born. You are going to... Can you imagine that, that word coming to you? Right? Now, if I were Simeon, my guess is that the very next day, after I'd heard that word, had that great, you know, devo time with, with, with God, and, you know, that word, I'm going to die. Next day, I'm going to show up in the temple looking for promise. Right? And nothing. Okay. Did I hear it right? Did I hear it right? Did I hear it right? The next day, I'm going to show up in temple. Huh? And on and on and on it goes. I'm going to have to learn to live with a boatload of disappointment in the carrying of promise. This is hard. Because when we hear the word of the Lord, we want it to happen right now. Why else would he tell us? Right? And instead, what he's doing is not training us to fulfill the promise. He's training us to carry the promise. To be the kinds of people he can trust. Right? Maybe to pray into the promise. Maybe to carry it on his behalf. Maybe to carry it with him. And so Simeon, hearing the promise, shows up day after day, does his work, as a common, ordinary, no-name person in the temple. And remember, old people in that culture are like old people in our culture, in which the older they get, the less visible they are. And so he's just a, he's just a gray ghost in the background of the temple observance. Nobody knows, perhaps after the first 15 or 25 or 30 years, that he's carrying promise. Nobody knows that. Remember, the average life expectancy was less than 40. So here we are, an old guy, carrying promise, faithfully. Now, how, how do you become a kind of person who can do that? Oh, look at what the text says. Look at the second line down, tail end of the sentence. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and, what? The Holy Spirit was upon him. Next line down. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. He was then moved by the Spirit. He's starting to get a, an understanding of who it is that God can trust. Somebody who is filled with the Spirit, not in some kind of a, a phenomenological way, which is quite wonderful and lovely, and Lord, may they increase. But at the end of the day, that's not what we're after. We want the Spirit to be the air we breathe. We want Him to be the life that we live. We want Him to fuel our actions of righteousness. We want Him to support our worship and devotion. Right? I need the Holy Spirit in my marriage. I need it in my parenting. I need Him in my ways of employment. I don't need just the Holy Spirit here on Sunday with you good people. In fact, to be honest, 
I need the Holy Spirit more on Monday than I ever do on Sunday. And so here is Simeon, three times in a couple of verses, referred to as a man of the Spirit. Ah, I think we're starting to get a clue as to what it is that enables us to become more and more and more trustworthy. More and more devoted. More and more righteous the older we get. So here he is. A man who is filled with the Spirit. A man who is living with expectancy, but for whom life has beaten expectation out of him. I, I, I want to come back at this. We've talked about it before at the Garden, but I think it's important that we recognize that, that what we're dealing with here is, is not is, 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 is standing open hands waiting to receive whatever the Lord brings with expectancy rather than defining what you will receive as an answer to your prayer. That's expectation. Most of us are not smart enough to pray what we really need. So we come open-handed with expectancy in the goodness of God, but without a demand of expectation for what we will receive as answer. Do you feel the difference? So Simeon is a man who has, has, has had expectation beaten out of him by decades of disappointment. That's hard for us. Why does God do that? How many of you have been wondering that? Why promise without fulfillment? Why promise without anything other than presence? Because he's training you to walk by faith. If the only time we believe is when we get what we ask for, we're not walking by faith. We're walking by sight. So he's training us in our marriages, in our parenting, in our employments, in our disappointments, in our financial chaos, in our bankruptcies, in our, in our great and wonderful... He's training us in all of these things to walk by faith, to do the right thing, to be devoted, whether it works or not. Yeah? Otherwise, can we be trusted when we get old? No, 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 no. See? See how it works? So, so here he is. Here he is. He shows up every day looking, looking, looking. And what is wonderful about Simeon is that over the years, the gleam in his eye does not go dull. Why? Because it's filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is what enables him to continue a life of devotion, a life of righteousness that enables him to be the kind of man that God can trust. He is a keeper of the promise of God. Because he knows that God is more than his promises. Simeon is a keeper of God's promises because he knows God's character. Sometimes I think my own, just candidly, I get disappointed with God's character because I don't always get what I think He's promised. Simeon is convinced of the character of God. And so he knows that promise is a matter of time. He sits with open hands. He sits with open hands. And can I just say 
that you need old people to teach you this. You need old people who have gotten beat up by life a few times. You need old people who have gone through some difficult circumstances. You need old people who have discovered, yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, 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 you'll be okay. Right? You need, you need people who have gone through a rough patch or 15 in their marriage. You need folks who have gone through a hard time of employment. You need people who have been through a depression to let us know that our piddly little recession will be, will be, it'll be okay. You'll be fine. Yeah, it'll hurt for a while. You'll get over it. Right? You need people like that. I, I, I would not wish, I would not wish, at least on, I wouldn't wish on my wife, but I would not wish to repeat again the first seven years of our marriage. I, I just wouldn't. Yeah, I, 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 I was so consumed with my own future and where I thought uh, God wanted me. I was going to make a big splash. I was going to be somebody and decided that God wasn't on board quite quickly enough with that. So I was going to make stuff happen in my church. Finally, seven years in, Jude says, our marriage is over. I'm tired of competing with your mistress. We've talked about this before. By the grace of God and the forgiveness of my wife, uh, she gave me three years, and that's how long it took me to learn how to be married to her. I, w- I would not wish that on her, but now looking back 37 years, I wouldn't trade anything for that lesson in the dark. Why? Because that's now how I, that's out of that that I do premarriage counseling. It's out of that that I say to couples who are going through a rough patch in their marriage, it'll be okay. Take advantage of this. Don't waste this hard season. Don't waste it. Yeah, it might get worse before it gets better, but you'll get better even if it gets worse. Goal's not a happy marriage, the goal is Christ likeness. So don't waste an unhappy marriage. Let it form you to Christ's likeness. And as your character shifts, as your character changes, as you become the man, the woman God has called, created you to be, who knows what might happen in your mind? It might fall apart. That's okay. You'll be fine. But it might not. It might not. And look at the wonder that comes out of that. Do you see what I mean? But you've got to have done that a few times. Stuff like that. You've got to... I, I, my church fell apart when I was 30. I, I became a senior pastor when I was 30, and the thing fell apart by the time I was 35. Huh. You know what I get to do now? I get to walk with young pastors and say, yeah, it'll be okay. It's not about you anyway. The Lord's no, He knows how to build this church. Do, do you see what I mean? You need old people at Christmas. You need old people to say, no, 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 I get, I get that your kid is sick. I get it. I get it. I get it. It'll happen again. They'll be all right. It's not the end of the world. I know that this has been a hard... Do you see what I'm saying? So Simeon had years of decades of disappointment that enabled him, still having the gleam in his eye, fueled by the Spirit in his soul, fueling that devotion, living out a life of righteousness... That when he saw that couple come into the temple on that morning, instantly there was a resonance 
that had not been dulled by disappointment. He was leaning forward in faith. And when he saw Mary and Joseph and the baby, ah, promise kept. You see? He had learned through disappointment to stay in the game, to not disappear when disappointed. And God is a promise-keeping God. He kept hope. You see? But then look at this next thing. Well, let's go on a, a, a couple of, of, of slides. Child's father and mother marveled at what he had said to him. Then Simeon blessed them. But then he said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Oh, this boy's going to break your heart. It's one thing you discover about old people is they don't care very much what you think. What are you going to do? Fire me? You know? So here's Simeon. Who's, who, who's not going to buttercream over the pain. It's one of the things I love, especially about, uh, I love to sit with World War, uh, fewer and fewer of them, World War II veterans, Korean War veterans, Vietnam War veterans. I love to sit with men, particularly, who have been under fire. There's something that happens when somebody has survived. Right? I love to sit with, with people who have, and again, fewer and fewer of them who have been through the Depression. My dad came of age in the Depression. And in the 30s. There was something about him that was marked by that season. Right? Now, you could become angry and bitter and resentful, or fueled by devotion, living out righteousness, filled with the Spirit, that hard season grounds you in a reality that doesn't uh, sugarcoat anything. It just lives in reality. And so he says to Mary, he says to Joseph, this boy's going to cause problems. I just need you to know he's going to be a disappointment to you. Maybe he was seeing a few years ahead when Jesus would almost publicly disown his mom. Who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Those who do the will of my father. Those are my mother and my brothers and sisters. Yeah, Mama. This is going to be a tough one for you. By the way, every child that you hold will break your heart. I don't know about any of your kids, but mine are singularly resistant to the brilliant schemes and strategies that I have for them. <laughs> I spend most of my life with 22, 23, 24-year-olds, and a lot of them write things down when I talk. None of them are my children. 
you will hear wise things that you have said to them attributed to other people. Right? Any child you hold is going to break your heart. Especially if you're not prepared to do what Mary and Joseph are doing on this day, and that is releasing them back to the Father. Huh? But he doesn't want her to leave temple without knowing this is, this is going to hurt. This is going to leave a mark. That's the good thing about old people at Christmas. Is they remember when. They remember the stories. And so Simeon here is an anchor in reality. But then let's look at this next character for a few minutes. I love that Luke balances this out with a woman in the story, a prophetess, Anna. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. So typically in that culture, they would get married at 13, 14, 15 years of age. So by the time she was 25, she was a widow. And in that condition, she remained for the next 60, six, zero years. Anybody want to talk about disappointment? This is not what I signed up for. Because remember, again, in that culture, a woman had identity by her relationship either with her father or with her husband or with her firstborn son. There's no indication that they had children. So here Anna is set aside, put out with the trash by her culture. She has lost identity. She has lost everything that gives her a place in that society. But I love her attitude. She says, you can't take me out of the game. That's the coach's business, not yours. And so she shows up at Temple. Decade after decade after decade after decade, after decade, doing what? Oh, worshiping. Can y'all do that? Even if it doesn't work? Even without the warm tinglies? Can y'all do that? All right. You might be somebody God can trust. Do you see where we're going here? There's a theme beginning to develop, right? Fasting and praying. My role, what I signed up for, is no longer available to me. What is? I'm going to stay in the game. I'm going to continue to be devoted. I'm going to continue to do what I know to do. And when she finally sees the child, she recognizes in him this, this answer to prayer and gives thanks to God. But then notice what else is true about her. Look at the last line. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. 
Don't tell me evangelism is a young person's game. Anna was an evangelist. She was a good newser. She told people, what you've been waiting for? Yeah, I've seen him. That hope of the nations? Yeah, he has a first name. What we've been longing for, praying for, desiring? How do you get to be the kind of person who at the end of the game, when you're looking to retire, still want to be put in? Still want to play your part? Great or large, doesn't matter. Don't need to be known by anybody. Oh, by the way, that's going to be a qualification. Is it okay that nobody but God knows your name? Is it okay that nobody but God knows the role you have played? Is it okay that He's the only one who will say to you, well done? Here's a memo you might want to write down. If His well done is not good enough for you, nobody else's well done ever will be. That's why these legions, these tens of thousands of millions of people who have no name. That's why their stories aren't told. There's way more of them, way more of us than there are of the heroes. So what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, start by minding your own business. Start by showing up at work. Start by, 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 by living a life of devotion and worship and prayer. Start by, 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 by not giving up. Start by, by, by leaning in rather than leaning out. By letting disappointment dig up at the roots so that more moisture of the Spirit can get in there. Rather than poisoning. Do you know? And then at the end, who knows? Maybe at 65 or 70 or 75 or 80, your best days will still be ahead rather than the rearview mirror. I don't want anybody at the garden to look back on the home the, 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 the game-winning touchdown that you made on the Homecoming game when you were 18 is the highlight of your life. If life goes down after 18, dear God, help us. Right? I, 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 want, I want to be climbing on the day of my death. I want to be reaching on the day of my death. I want to be striving. I want to be leaning in. But I'm not going to get there if I wait till then. So I know what to do today. What has Jesus been speaking to you about? What has He been calling you to take seriously? What has He been calling to trust Him with in terms of His work in the Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.